Colorado, 6th of November, 2020. Hello, it's Chappie here. Welcome along. It's another Friday in your life, in the world. And I just wanted to report that there's been no podcaster number fraud. There's been tremendous and absolutely great responses to the podcast in Denmark, the UK, the US and in India. There's no hanging chads or hanging chaps. Trucks with nuts have seen severe shrinkage and an awful case of the blue balls. Seems like they've thrown away their chew and their toys out of their trucks and have had ultimate toddler tantrums. Welcome to the podcast. It's number episode 35. Yes, oh, it's Chappie on the road. Oh, it's Chappie on the corridor. And he goes at you. Oh, yes, it's Chappie on keep calls at you. Okay, admittedly, that was pretty awful. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Welcome along to the programme. Some of the things that you may or not be uh, wanting to hear, or what we'll be talking about today on the show, is um, we uh, we you want to become a Christmas stripper. We'll be uh, giving you some ideas and some uh, a little bit of delving into how one can become a Christmas stripper this holiday season. The French Bulldog Wilbur was elected Mayor of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. We'll be talking about Wilbur. Um, Also, uh, other strange uh, US names like Gobbler's Knob, or um, maybe even uh, Fakenham, or uh, Little Snoring, Great Snoring. Uh, Anywhere called Little Willy, I don't know. Um, And uh, we'll be having more Wheel of Misfortune, where you can uh, play the game, um, where you spin the wheel. And uh, what attribute will it land on Trump uh, supporter-wise? Will it be a mullet? Will it be a bad bushy beard? Dad shorts? Maybe a slightly shrunken football jersey? Stench of jerky? uh, Chew residue? Anyway, the Wheel of Misfortune will be here this week and we'll be giving it a spin once again. Uh, The secret to surviving a lockdown? Be more like a cat, be more feline. Uh, the wondrous Greg's Cheese and Onion Bake in the UK. Uh, Marina O'Loughlin, the famed Times restaurant critic, uh, talks about the famous Greg's Cheese and Onion Bake. Uh, Lily Allen on marriage and, uh, and her new invention of a, a new sex toy uh, that, uh, that she's come up with and is making her millions and millions of pounds and dollars. Um, how beekeeping has become cool. Uh, what's for dinner? Ask for the smart tablecloth. A mushroom picking app could be the death of you, French are warned. And how light reflecting white paint can help save the planet. Julius Caesar and assassination coins sell for the record amount. And apparently baseball caps and blazers are back at their peak again. Also, uh, my love of extra hot horseradish will be uh, possibly talking about. There'll be more heinous headline crimes in Scallywag Darts. We'll be uh, swinging the axe on our uh, historical Tinder game. There'll be more enigmatic English eccentrics. So it's a fully packed to the rafters show today. And you're very, very welcome to it. 
welcome to another day in your lives. Welcome to another whimsical journey through a carb-loaded tunnel of delight and ecstatic, naughty behaviour. I just want to pay one tribute to the wondrous Steve Kornacki on NBC television, MSNBC in the UK, sorry, in the US. In the UK, look him up. There is a Steve Kornacki cam who's been spinning the numbers through the course of uh, the last few days. I don't think he's had any sleep. He only wears brown trousers. Now, um, it's not the same pair of brown trousers. That could be slightly suspicious. But one asks the question is, why do you own 150 pairs of brown trousers, Steve. Now, I, I honestly think if he gets a nasty surprise, the, 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 the brown hides all sorts of uh, awful indiscretions. So, I mean, we've had tremendous election news. It's going on in the background here. I have all the alerts on. Kornacki's in my ear. He's, uh, he's beamed on a projector screen so I can just watch what Kornacki is doing all the time. Is he on his phone? Is he scratching his nose? Uh, is he changing his tie? This is what I want to know. But anyway, and this is something that Konaki didn't report. The French bulldog named Wilder, Wilbur was elected mayor of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Rabbit Hash, Kentucky has a peculiar tradition of electing canine candidates and Wilbur is the latest mayoral mutt. The uh, Kentucky hamlet of Rabbit Hash is a new mayor. Wilbur is a six-month-old French bulldog. Rabbit Hash, Kentucky has never had an actual person or human as mayor. And many think that's probably more for the better. Uh, Nolan said the tr tradition emerged in the late 1990s. There was a man named Don Clear. Uh, thought it would be a great idea to elect some type of animal, not necessarily a canine as mayor of uh, the town, as a fundraising event for the historical society. Well, we've been electing weasels in positions... Uh, both sides of the Atlantic and all around the world for years, actually. The Ohio River town of just under 500 people is the National Historic uh, Register of Places. It's uh, a very old, has a very old general store in 1831, and it's now a thriving community of dog lovers, including her. She says she fosters kittens, cats, ferries, rescue dogs to their new homes, and has two rescue dogs in addition to her Frenchie. But she described Wilbur, who she adopted four months ago, as the anomaly, because he's uh, an American uh, Kennel Club registered purebred dog. He was just so cute, Noland explained. Uh, from 2017 to 2019, the American Kennel Club French Bulldog is the fourth most popular purebred dog breed in the country. Why, why isn't a snaggletooth rat terrier called Jack? Why, isn't, why wouldn't he be the most popular? Because I think he's a little bit like the Donald Trump of dogs. I have to say, my buddy Jack... He is a little slimmer. He does like eating um, fish fillets and McDonald's hamburgers much more than I do. Um, and um, and he, and he te never takes no for an answer. So he is the Donald Trump of dogs, I think. Um, so anyway, so Wilbur's been crowned here. Um, I, I love the name. I do love the name of Rabbit Hash Kentucky. Um, I do and also enjoy Gobbler's Knob, um, which I believe is in Pennsylvania. And it was in uh, the Bill Murray movie uh, Groundhog Day. I think I want to retire to Gobbler's Knob. It looks very idyllic, uh, wonderful. Well, it looks like they have a buffet breakfast every morning, which just sounds fantastic. And, and, and it's just a wondrous name. And I think most of the top uh, American towns and village names are in um, Pennsylvania. I've, I've, I've noticed this from just uh, a little bit of research, a little bit of stumbling around over the years. Let's, let's put it that way.
Okay, so we had a little election special. Go and listen to it. Um, it's all on, on all of your usual platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, all of them. Um, but we had a new little feature called Wheel of Misfortune. Uh, and we're going to have one every week. It's always going to be based around Trump or politics. But um, but anyway, so we're going to spin the wheel and uh, we're going to see where it lands on the Wheel of Misfortune for uh, this week. Uh, Chappie special. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese podcast episode 35. Okay. Oh, is it is it gonna is it is it is it landed anywhere or are we are we gonna see spinning again there? Are we are we gonna spin one more up? Oh, we're spinning one more time here. One more time. Oh damn. So anyway, so we we spun the wheel the wheel of misfortune a couple of times here, and it's actually landed on something that I saw the other day. So I was walking do- the dogs. I was walking George and Jack, uh, the border collie and the corgi. It was a it was, it was a rather a frosty morning uh, just after the election, and um, you know it's, it, everybody had a smile on their face. I don't know why. Anyway, so I looked down, uh, and it was right by the river in a gully. There was a uh, Trump Pence sign. Um, so the pen, uh, Pence uh, Trump Pence sign. Uh, weeds were growing around it, uh, almost like the serpent cascading around the foundations of the Garden of Eden. Um, I did actually call recycling, uh, the, the, the trash people, the rubbish people, and they actually told me to bugger off uh, about picking up this rubbish. Uh, so they don't recycle this type of r- rubbish and trash, apparently. So apparently the secret to surviving uh, lockdown is be more feline. 10 out of 10 cats agree that the way to handle a return to lockdown is to stop planning and take pleasure in simply being alive. If you want to know how to deal with what looks like a long, dark winter, uh, don't seek guidance from human sages. Philosophers have been telling us in the content of the midst of adversity since times uh, time began. But it's not these uh, savants who show us how to find tranquility in the face of uncertainty. It's our animal companions, and none of them displays more effortless contentment as a common house cat. Far more than any human guide, its supremely adaptive creatures can teach us how to cope with and even enjoy the months ahead. A single purr is worth a thousand pages of philosophical uh, congregation. All three schools of philosophy in the ancient world have what they call ataraxia, in an estate of imperturbable equanimity as their declared goal. The skeptics thought they could attain it by suspending judgment about what the good and bad in their lives. The Stoics believed inward quietude uh, came from accepting the role in the cosmos. The Epicureans imagined they would achieve fulfillment if they reduced their wants to a bare and easily satisfied minimum. None of these intellectual uh, uh, people um, and philosophies have worked. If you want to always be calm, you will always or you will always forever be in turmoil. A state of unwavering equanimity doesn't really suit us humans. Atraxia may sound appealing, but most human beings can't endure tranquility for too long. Over a period of nearly 30 years, um, there was a study with four cats, the last of which died close to the end of his 23rd year, a few months before the first lockdown. The 19th century German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer believed all cats were instances of eternal feline, an abstract idea of cathood. That was not my experience. 
Each cat has its own habits, tastes, and vivid individuality. The 16th century French essayist Michael de Montaigne came closest to capturing their mystery when he wrote, When I play with a cat, how do I know that she's not passing time with me rather than with her? The chief feature of cats I observed is that they never waste time. It's often said that they have no sense of time at all, but they do know when their breakfast is due and they'll complain vigorously if it's not their appointed hour. The secret of their serenity, though, is they don't live for the sake of imaginary future, and it is this which we should focus on more uh, as lockdowns loom. When they're not hunting, eating, or mating, cats are sleeping or playing until almost the end of their long life. They would stretch out on the floor, pause in the air in a supreme expression of pleasure uh, that they felt simply in being alive, exposing their bellies, a gesture of uh, trust in the humans who cared for them. Uh, above all, it signaled the delight in the sensation of life itself. We humans have um, a tendency to think about the future as a succession of chapters in a lifelong story. The reasons may be the awareness of our mortality that distingu distinguishes us from other animals. Elephants may care for their dead, but we seem to be alone and living with the knowledge that our lives are finite. It may be this nagging realization that leads us to want to make the most of our time. We conjure up make-believe lives and try to live it out as quickly as possible. The trouble with human traits is that it's, uh, it's a life, not a story. It's a succession of unexpected happenings which break up the tales we tell ourselves. The pandemic and lockdown are gigantic examples of these disruptive events. Not dreaming up a future for themselves, cats aren't perturbed when it doesn't arrive. They like to be in familiar surroundings, but when circumstances change, they change their ways and revert to their natural contentment, enjoying each day as it comes. It's almost like sort of sucking the marrow out of life, smelling the roses along the way. Not, you know, not rushing, not, not, uh, not uh, running or um, um, escalating things too quickly. It's taking that deep breath and, uh, and uh, as I said, enjoying and smelling the roses along the road of life. And this is what cats do, and we need to do the same, I believe. So there's many times I'm rather reminiscent and uh, missing the, the uh, old green lands of the UK and England, um, but none more so than when I read a review, like Marina O'Loughlin's review of the Greg's Cheese and Onion Bake. Um, you know, it, it's... <sighs> I needed to have a go and have a lie down, actually, and um, probably a shot of a nip of scotch after uh, after reading this here. Um, so she uh, she talks about uh, fast food. Um, a motorway service station offers either Burger King or Greg's. Perhaps it's time to give my former fetish of Greg's another go. I love the way its pastries are called bakes. They make them sound uh, more art artisanal, um, but obviously the calories are certainly not uh, joyous and god help me blandly splendid the curdy white sauce filling tastes of both the staring components just enough to neither thrill nor offend the pastry is crisp at the edges gooey in the center and i'm a big fan of the pastry soggy bottom Greg's is a raging success story for a reason cheap filling and challenging food that sometimes hit the spot that you'd forgotten you even had. And ladies and gentlemen, to all pastry soggy buttons out there, I raise a glass, here's to you, and I miss you. 
oh, decadent, wondrous, delicious, filled meat pie. Okay, so Lily Allen, um, the singer and uh, I guess bon vivant, um, social bon vivant in the UK, has now started and moved into the sex toy industry. So I'm going to try to, best I can, um, give you a, give you a recount of um, of uh, her dabbles and delving into the sex toy industry, probably literally. Um, so traditionally, one builds towards the intrusive questions, raising the heat on a lobster you mean to boil. But in the case of Alan, um, orgasms are official business. So she met. Um, with, with the writer of this article to promote a new collaboration with a sex toy called The Liberty. And it's not shaped, I don't think, like Lady Liberty, and there's no flaming torches being held aloft. It's modelled on her lady parts um, by the sex toy manufacturer, Womanizer. Um, Alan says, I shouldn't worry, nor had she had until the American delivery services that Postmates introduced her to it. It was 2015. I was in Los Angeles. I was trying to make a record. She was in Laurel County on top of the hill and was like, I really fancy getting my uh, freak on, so to speak. But I couldn't be bothered to drive down. I knew that there was a, a, a special store uh, on Sunset open. And she went onto the website, found the tool that she wanted, which wasn't the womanizer. Uh, and she's not going to name what it is. But Postmates is the normally a food delivery app. Um, so she ordered the product and got a phone call from the Postmates driver who was in the store. They haven't got the one you want, but here's the other thing. I think you'll really, really like it. How incredibly well informed of him, she thought. I guess uh, he'd uh, been there before. Uh, have you got anything else, she asked. Well, there's this one. Uh, he was texting all, all, all the way back, uh, coming to the house. She, then he arrived at the gate and uh, she gave the PIN number. And then she... Uh, she uh, he rang the doorbell and um, and she was actually in the bath at the time. So he uh, he left it on the doorstep and shouted out, have a good night, um, which I think I believe she did. That's how she was uh, moved into the uh, sex toy industry. Um, but I, so, you know, you have Uber Eats, you have Postmates, but I never knew that you could uh, they, they could bring you this type of uh, service. Um I wonder if she asked for the accelerated speedy delivery service on this occasion. Um, I, I definitely would be too embarrassed to meet the driver at the door. Um, but it would be more embarrassing if the item was in the uh, Hustler sex, uh, sex shop bag and all your neighbours saw what you had inside your bag, so to speak. So we, we've all heard about the, uh, the sourdough and the, the banana bread crazes at the moment. But apparently beekeeping has got cool recently. Uh, once on the preserve of the East London's kombucha swigging cliches, backyard beekeeping, beekeeping has officially gone mainstream. All of a sudden, A-list celebrities, TikTok stars, and even fashion houses are getting in on the buzz. According to the likes of longtime fans such as Leonardo DiCaprio, Scarlett Johansson, David Beckham, who spent lockdown building a hive in his home in the Cotswolds, and it's rumoured to be launching an organic honey range soon. Marvel's Chris Hemsworth also jumped on the uh, hot dads to do beekeeping trends, sharing a ridiculously adorable video of him and his children carrying around bees 
in Byron Bay. On, on TikTok, beekeeper Erica Thompson now has 1.8 million followers who watch her rescuing and building bee colonies. One of her more notable fans is James Middleton, um, Kate's, uh, uh, Kate's brother, who has eight hives himself, having been given a, a thousand buckfast bees by his sister Kate. And now Kenzo, who's got into the beekeeping aesthetic at the latest show with creative director Philippe Olivero, said he was impressed by them uh, mem uh, mesmerizing clothings, hats, and echo so strongly and the fragility and distance imposed that was needed today. So I guess socially distancing, nobody's going to come near you if you've got a beehive open and there's a, a load of drones and a very angry queen buzzing around. Uh, but I never, I never thought there was like beekeeping chic. You know, is it, is it the, uh, the floppy white hat? The uh, the slightly um, you know the, the the slightly Lawrence of Arabia mesh uh, mesh mask that drapes over the face that can also protect you from the coronavirus maybe um, it's uh, it's it's certainly a look I would, I I'd give it that um, it just reminds me of my uh, my poor dear departed grandfather Frank um, trying to um, uh, vacuum up a uh, wasp nest with a Dyson vacuum cleaner. And um, after 3,000 wasps were in the vacuum cleaner, uh, there was probably another 15,000 more, luckily, when the uh, pest control people did arrive. So from beekeeping to tablecloth, smart devices have taken over the home. From smart fridges that send texts to smart ovens that detect what's inside them and smart sinks that fill themselves, now developers are working on a smart tablecloth. Researchers have uh, created a tablecloth that detects what's being put on it connects to a smart speaker to talk to the operator. In a scenario that seems drawn out from the outlandish sci-fi novels, the tablecloth can remind the homeowner who's preparing to leave if an important object has been left behind, such as lipstick or a wallet. Its detection features can suggest recipes based on what's on the table and can tell if a plant uh, needed to be watered through the sensors that can determine if the soil's dry. Teenage, teenagers may also be disgruntled to learn that the device can recommend the owner to clean up if it detects an empty bowl or plate left on it. I'm wondering though if it, if, if you spill like a Ruby Murray, if you if you if you spill your vindaloo all over the tablecloth, if alarm bells go off and say uh, you need to get your uh, stained devil on here immediately and get it into the wash. Uh, would it would it survive a hot a hot wash? I wonder. That's something else uh, I, I would think about as well. And also for those who aren't the greatest cooks, um, as the plate arrives at the table, would it warn you that a rather inferior cook has in fact cooked the dinner? Um, I don't know about that, but uh, that might be a, a warning for um, overboiled pasta or uh, soggy vegetables or something along those lines. Oh yes, we have another enigmatic English eccentric now. And today's enigmatic English eccentric is Francis Henry Egerton, the 8th Earl of Bridgewater, who preferred dogs to people. He had no time for women, and he declared that dogs were better behaved than any gentleman. The dogs ate with him every day, the huge dining table would be laid for 12, and the dogs uh, led in, each with a clean white napkin around their neck. Servants would then serve uh, them off on silver dishes, one servant to each dog. Boots were his other obsession. He wore a new pair every day and night. He ranged around them and uh, around his walls and used them as a calendar. 
Apparently, a mushroom-picking app could be the death of you, French are warned. The French are being urged not to use apps to identify mushrooms after faulty results led to a rash of poisonings. The phone app, which interprets an image of the mushroom, declare it edible or toxic, have contributed to 732 cases of poisoning, which have left five people critically ill since the summer. Mixed weather has led to a bumper crop of uh, champignons, griots, uh, morels, and cepes around France this autumn, uh, drawing people into the woods. COVID has also encouraged many first-timers to the undergrowth to hunt for the elusive delicacies. Do not eat a mushroom identified by the means of mushroom recognition app because of the high risk of error. So I'm wondering if, I mean, it says here at the top here, um, you know, the app declares it was either edible or toxic. Well, what's in between? I mean, you're either eating the mushroom and enjoying it with a nice uh, bit of butter on top of it, or you're dead. How about you being severely ill for five days on the, the uh, Great White Telephone? Um, I mean, there is an in-between between toxic and safe, I think. Apparently, uh, and this is for Donald Trump, uh, baseball caps and blazers are back at their peak. Isn't it satisfying when the latest very fashionable thing turns out to be the something that's already in your wardrobe? For this instance, two somethings, a baseball cap and a blazer, worn together. They aren't natural bedfellows, but uh, they're seen in uh, season four of The Crown. Emily Corrin stars as the lady, lady, young lady Diana Spencer, and she popularized it back in the uh, early 80s and uh, is putting this idea of the wardrobe back on our screens again. I don't know if an incredibly long red tie and a, and a pretty insipid red hat uh, constitutes as fashionable, though, I would say. Okay, we have some skilly wig dirts, yeah. So, um, this is where we take the most heinous headline crimes of the week and equate them to a game of darts. So we've got Missing the Board, Triple 20, Bullseye, and Chirpy's Special Prize. Uh, so we have, um, we have uh, this week uh, Missing the Board, but a lovely, lovely little story here. Uh, we do have a story about uh, the questionable items Brits add to their Sunday lunch and chess tips to spruce up roasts. So a fierce debate has broken out on social media over what does and does not belong on the English lunch plate for the English roast dinner on a Sunday. Thousands have shared um, their roast, uh, roast ideas and preferences, um, and they combine them with the results of the independent research has revealed what the ideal British roast dinner looks like. The nation has apparently spoken, and according to the study, the roast dinner contains of roast beef, roast potatoes, lashings of gravy, Yorkshire puddings, car uh, carrots, sweet corn, stuffing, and parsnips. Uh, some people do have some questionable extras, including uh, baked beans. Uh, a tenth of Brits said they opt for tomato ketchup on their roasts, 12% adding mayonnaise to the meal, and uh, beating out the traditional condiments such as bread sauce, mustard, and applesauce. And 52% of them said they enjoy good stuffing with all roast meats, not just chicken, and they claim to prefer mash over traditional roast potatoes. That is indeed sacrilege, I would have to say. Alright, so here we go. So we've got the roast dinners, so that's I would say that's missing the board. I do love an extra hot horseradish. It brings tears to your eyes and can solve the common cold. I did see the results, um, uh, nasty results, when I saw uh, horseradish sauce rubbed into a rugby player's jock strap. It was slavered over there, and let's just say the let's just say his beef was served medium rare. Ah, uh, bisto. 
Alright, so we have our uh, triple twenty. Jaffa cakes confirmed correct way to eat them. This is an English biscuit or cookie, and it's blowing people's minds. For years, once debate was divided over a sweet tooth is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit, but now there seems to be something else, causing stir amongst orange uh, chocolate fans. Apparently, all this time we've been eating the Jaffa cakes wrong. Apparently, according to the spokesman for Jaffa Cakes, owned by McVitie, um, is, uh, contrary to the popular loop, the chocolate part of the treat isn't the top, it's actually the bottom. This means we've been holding them and consuming them upside down for as long as we can remember. So, uh, yeah, you have to, so the, 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 the crusty bit of the Jaffa Cake is in fact the top part, and the chocolate bit is the decadent uh, bottom part. Um, which is which is absolutely fascinating. Um, I do wonder if if you had like a snake's tongue, a snake-like tongue, if you could lick all the chocolate off and leave the orange jelly possibly under uh, you know underneath there. I'm wondering if I wonder also if in Australia they eat these jaffa cakes the correct way around. Um, you, I mean you could you could also carefully lick your jaffa cake during lockdown. You know just one lick a day uh, to savor it. Uh, so you get your little bit of chocolate and your zesty orange uh, kick every day. Just put it back in the fridge and just lick, lick a little, little lick every day. Okay, and we have our bullseye of the week. Mum hailed a hero for genius place she hides her chocolate stash from her kids. A mum took to Facebook to share where she keeps her chocolate so her children can't eat all of it, which prompted fellow parents to reveal their go-to hiding places too. A mum says she's been hailed a hero after revealing how she manages to keep the sweet treats from the family. Now that the second lockdown is announced, Jeremy Horde has shared what she calls a number one parenting tip, the place, one place her children and partner never think to look. Jeremy shared a picture of the inconspicuous hiding spot in the family lockdown tips and idea group on Facebook. The image shows a container from Asda which holds six large eggs, or thanks to Jenny, two dairy milk chocolate bars. So she's taken the eggs out and she's replaced them with the dairy milk chocolate bars. I would actually love to genetically change a chicken to make the Cadbury's chicken lay chocolate golden eggs. And then you could have chocolate breasts, and uh, the only word actually eat chicken wins if they're actually chocolate. And with that, you could have, an, an, instead of any sort of uh, honey mustard dipping sauce, you could have a Nutella dipping sauce along with that. Absolutely delicious. Okay, and we have uh, Chappie's special prize. Mum criticized for bringing tacky homemade gifts to kids' birthday party. A woman took to Reddit to ask users whether she uh, could give a one-of-a-kind gift and it was exclaimed to be tacky after a friend said she couldn't afford to buy a present, she shouldn't let her daughter go to the party. Her mum has been criticised for making a homemade gift to take to her, uh, her daughter's birthday party. The woman explained she was skilled at crochet and enjoys creating new patterns in her spare time. So when her daughter told her friends the birthday party was coming up, she uh, uh, designed the perfect present idea, a personalised knitted jumper. She also explained, I always check the, the birthday uh, child's parents for clothing, size, and favorite character animal, so she could actually make a sweater or maybe even a nice pair of socks um, on an occasion. Um, I was actually thinking about regifting maybe freshly darned socks. Now, darning's uh, is a lost art where you have holes in your socks and you ever take ever pieces of the sock and sort of uh, re uh, reconstitute them and sort of darn them so there's no, no longer holes in the sock. But, you know, I'm thinking about re-gifting freshly darned socks that have been lost over the years 
in the sock Bermuda Triangle, where socks become almost like the Mary Celeste. Ghostly lost socks and boxer shorts that disintegrate are suddenly found again, years and years later. Um, there is a fantastical figure who like who could be like a perverted Santa or a, or a rascalous hobgoblin, uh, underwear thief who steals socks and underwears and panties and knickers and sells them to desperate businessmen on eBay or maybe a new Bitcoin site called Bitcoin Briefs. All right, so maybe some of the stories that didn't make the cut on Scallywag Darts. A whopper of the tail, a tram runs off the track and lands on the whale statue's tail. I wonder if the whale statue was actually a statue of maybe Free Willy or Moby Dick. Who knows? Uh, but you could get a statuesque flipper to lead them back safely to the harbour of the train station before they get made into wax at the Far East Fisherman. Another one that didn't quite make the cut. Assos, uh, the fashion retailer, has been called out by fans for the punk-style Crocs it sells with silver spikes, studs, and a chain, which some people generally questioning, it, questioning if they're actually for sale. Um, oh, don't get me on to Don't get me on to this. Don't get me on to this. At least when you're wearing a protective face mask, a protective face mask, people won't recognize you if you're wearing the most egregious fashion crime ever, Crocs. And in light of uh, in light of the uh, the possibly uh, distressing news, maybe not quite so distressing now, Americans are offered emotional support by Canadians. So uh, Americans are now off are being offered emotional support by their cousins and neighbours, the Canadians. I know that we all have therapy dogs, but now Americans can have their faithful, cuddly therapy Canadian. I think I uh, I would want a scarlet scarlet dress Mountie as my therapy Canadian. Uh, the Scots, though, would never be a therapy-loving cuddlebud to the English. Uh, they'd probably impale the Englishman on top of Hadrian's Wall. And finally, a woman spent thousands of pounds at the vet um, for her farting dog. Uh, apparently, a woman ha had to take her dog back uh, multiple occasions to the vet because the dog had terrible flatulence. Um, apparently, it turns out the dog was perfectly fine and almost smelt like roses. It was in fact, her husband. Uh, the husband should immediately be uh, sent to the doghouse. He should not pass go. He should not get a treat, but he should get 200 bottles of Febreze spray. Yes, we have our little historical game of Tinder. And this week's contestant is Quinn Fei of Lee Song. And he reigned between 449 and 665 BC. He had a troubled relationship with his father and did not mourn him when he became emperor. Indeed, he went so far as to order that his father's posthumous portrait be redrawn to emphasize the size of his nose. He was so petrified of illness that he refused to visit his mother on her deathbed, so offending her that he called her for a sword so she could be cut open to see how nice it was to have the animal come out of me. Very nice. Quen Fei's short reign was bloodthirst and extreme. He ordered his she uh, chief advisers to commit suicide. On hearing of a plot to replace him, he had his conspirators killed in the most inventive of ways. One, he had his limbs removed one by one, his entrails extracting his eyes removed and pickled in honey. He had troubled relationships with his family. He allowed his sister to take a harem of male concubines as their lovers and uh, had a half-brother, his mother and siblings, put to a gruesome death. He tortured his uncles by placing them in cages and weighing them as though they were pigs. Sometimes he even went as far as trussing them up 
in the same way as a butcher would have a pig and having them sent to the palace kitchens. Uh, sex was a, a popular hobby of his. The emperor enjoyed sleeping with his aunt and keeping her as a concubine. He also had uh, imperial princesses participate in orgies and, uh, and also uh, had their siblings killed. Ladies-in-waiting were often ordered to participate in games of naked kiss chase. His behaviour was so excessive that he dreamed that a ghost told him he would be killed. He ordered a ghost-killing ceremony, but the joke was, in, was on him. The participants murdered him on the spot, and the reign of the bloodthirsty sex addict was indeed over. All right, so we have to, uh, we have to determine here, um, uh, you know, f uh, on King Fei, um, so what you know what what do, what actually happened to him here? Um, he cer he certainly had I would say I would say a lot of this going on. So there was all of this. Uh, oh, 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 oh damn missus! Oh yes no missus! Oh yes no! Uh, so there's a lot of that. There's a little bit of that going on. A little bit of the uh, a little bit of that going on definitely. And uh, and uh, ultimately uh, this is uh, this is how things uh, ended with him. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's a ghostly uh, demise for him. Uh, so uh, we're closing or nearly closing the podcast, but coming up next week, such stories as earwax could hold the key to a test for clinical depression. Pakistan and India in a row over right to supply of basmati rice to the European Union and how feathers put a spring in my step. But I think my favourite uh, news of the week, um, other than what may happen today, are three men busted for attempting to cook chickens in Yellowstone Park's hot spring. A man from Idaho Falls, Idaho, got caught trying to cook chickens in the thermal area of the Yellowstone National Park. A ranger found the man and a group of nine other people with cooking pots and two chickens this August. The ranger got in tips that the group were heading towards the uh, Shoshone Gazer basin loaded with pots. When the ranger f uh, followed up, he found two chickens in a burlap shack stuffed in a hot spring near a cooking pot, according to the East Idaho News. Um, so I wonder if cooking times do vary when a chicken is stuffed or not stuffed when you're cooking it in a hot spring. Uh, I wonder if he was actually in the hot spring too, boiling his sausage in a bag. Um, I wonder also, finally, could I cook a giant creme brulee in a huge hot spring Bon Marie? All the questions. Thank you very much. It's been a bumper week of podcasts. We had one on Tuesday, so go and listen to the election special. I'm sure you'll uh, be delighted. Uh, your ears will be delighted and uh, enthralled by that one. Um, and then thank you for listening to the 35th edition. Who can believe it that it's actually reached 35 editions in the podcast? Like and subscribe. That's all I ask. Um, and we're going to finish with the Shepherd's, ca Shepherd's Calendar, November. John Clare. The landscape sleeps in a mist from morn till noon. And if the sun looks through, tis with a face of beamless and pale and round, as if the moon, when done the journey of her nightly race, had found him sleeping and supplied his place. For days the shepherds in the fields may be, nor mark a patch of sky blindfold they trace, the plains that they seem without a bush or a tree, whistling aloud by guess to flocks they cannot see. Toodaloo, everybody. See you again soon.